the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up, I'll cover the latest revelations in the Fannie Willis scandal. Jack Posobiec, senior editor of Human Events, joins me. We're going to talk about the full story of the Jeffrey Epstein files. And I'll expose the downside of Storgi. This is the first type of love outlined in C.S. Lewis's classic work, The Four Loves. Hey, if you're watching on Rumble or listening on Apple, Google, or Spotify, please subscribe to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. America needs this voice. The times are crazy. In a time of confusion, division, and lies, we need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. Today, guys, is um, Debbie's birthday. Did I say what birthday it is, honey? I can say it. Oh, you can say it. <laughs> yeah, you've never actually been bashful about saying how old you are, I've no, noticed. No, no. 58. 58. 58 years old, uh, but honey, I must say you... You have uh, you have beaten the, uh, feel, the relentless march of time. But sometimes I feel ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It is true that no matter how how much you can camouflage time in public, your public presentation inwardly, you do feel it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying. So. I feel better this year than last year, thanks to PhD, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Debbie goes last year at about this time. I think we were kind of at our peak oh, weight, yeah. to be honest, oh, yeah. and we were not feeling too good about oh, it. Yeah. But we did know that we were going on PhD. So I wonder if that lulled us into a little bit of a sense of... Of let's just eat whatever we can. <laughs> kind of, because our days are numbered and we're going to be hunkering down. Yeah. And uh, But we're both very glad we did. I mean, and that's, that's the key. All right, guys, I want to talk today about, um, about this business with Fannie Willis. And uh, her alleged romantic partner, this guy named, uh, I guess it's Wade. Um, And he's a special prosecutor in the Georgia case, prosecuting Trump and prosecuting the other defendants. He's a private attorney and he's not a RICO attorney. In fact, he hasn't tried this kind of a case before. And he's now being he's supposedly prosecuting the biggest RICO case in U.S. history. And uh, and he is getting it on with Fannie Willis. And that's probably why he got the job. And not only did he get the job, but he also got the cash. Uh, how much cash are we talking about? Well, it looks like it could be anywhere between 650 and a thousand and a million dollars. Cash that is evidently being spent on Fannie Willis by him. So this is a heck of an arrangement. It is, if true... It is unethical, and it is probably illegal. And so this is something that um, has been raised in a filing with the court. 
and the court is going to have to look at it. Now, some of the documents uh, in the filing are coming out. For example, the billings that this guy, Wade, has been um, presenting uh, to be paid. Uh, and it turns out, in one case, he bills for 24 hours of work in one day. Now, really? He's a lawyer? He spent 24 hours a day, no food, no going to the bathroom, no sleeping? Uh, this is straight-out fraud. This is, or, or if it's not fraud, it is, listen, Fannie Willis is giving me this money. I mean, it's Fannie Willis, after all. Uh, she knows I'm overbilling, and she doesn't mind paying it. So it's a kind of arrangement, a cozy arrangement, in which both sides are corrupt. This often happens, by the way, between Democrats. Think, for example, about a group, a left-wing group that files a claim against a, tech, a Democratic Secretary of State saying, you need to make, to, to make the voting requirements more easy and extend the dates of voting beyond election day um, because of COVID. And the, the guy goes, okay, I'll en enter into a consent agreement for that to happen. See, both sides are willing participants in the nefarious scheme. One is simply pretending to pressure the other. And similarly here, normally when a lawyer is working for a client, you'd think the client would be trying to conserve money. But what if it's not the client's money? So that's the first point, that you've got a, an excessively cozy billing arrangement. And um, here's the second point. The, this lawyer, Wade, has evidently been meeting with the White House. Because why? We can look at his billing. He shows, I'm in Washington, D.C. I'm meeting with the White House counsel. And what does that tell you? That tells you that these guys, although they are ostensibly running an independent case, they're colluding with the Biden administration. The Biden administration is sort of cooperating, uh, maybe even driving the whole process. And so what does this show you? This shows you that it is the Biden administration, the regime in charge, that is actively going after its main political opponent and using all these various processes to do it. So not simply the uh, D.C. case, not just Jack Smith, but also Fannie Willis. I'm quite sure it seems quite likely that they're, they're coordinating with the with the people in New York. And so this is now these details are now emerging in the context of Fannie Willis. The court is, I think, going to have to look at this, and then the question becomes, what, if anything, are they going to do about it? Now, what they should do, if this is true, and again, um, the reason I think it is true is that even though in the filing itself I don't see the photographs, I don't see the receipts, I don't think it makes any sense for someone to make a filing with a court that alleges very particular events, not just, hey, we've heard rumors that Fannie Willis is cohabiting with this guy, but rather, they went on a Norwegian cruise together. Uh, they went on this trip together. They have stayed in hotel rooms and places that are not their residence together. So this tells me there's private detectives involved, and this tells me that they have quite likely got the goods on these guys. And they've probably set a trap for Fannie Willis because what they're doing is they're making these allegations and they're not supplying the immediate uh, documentary proof. They're just saying, this is what happened. And uh, now Fannie Willis has to reply. 
So she has two choices. She can say, well, it's all true. <laughs> and that would be it. Uh, or she can say, it's not true. None of this really happened. And then they drop the receipts. And then the evidence is put out. And again, it needs to be put out not just to the court, but to in the public domain, because this will completely discredit this prosecution. Now, uh, you know, when I talk to Debbie about this, she's always like, Dinesh, nothing ever happens to these things. Uh, the Democrats always get away with it. But there is a major roiling now in legal circles in Atlanta because I think that the establishment, and this is the Democratic establishment of Fulton County, they know that this is a big deal. They know this is a big deal because in some ways it is a more clear-cut case of corruption than anything alleged against Trump. What's alleged against Trump? Well, he made a phone call to Secretary Raffensperger. He initiated some challenges in Georgia. He made speeches where he talked about the fact that the election was corrupt. So, whoop-de-doo, where is the crime? Where is the conspiracy? On the other hand, let's look at the Fannie Willis case. She hires a guy that she's sleeping with. He gives him a huge amount of money disproportionate to what she would normally pay. Well, not to, not to mention she shouldn't be paying anything. She has attorneys at her disposal that are in the district attorney's office. She can use in-house attorneys, but she chooses to hire this guy and then he spends the money on both of them. I mean, the whole thing is corrupt. It stinks. And, um, whether the, what will, it will have, if true, an impact not only on the Trump case itself. I mean, this is this would be grounds for challenging the case, making appeals for dismissal of the case, saying that the whole thing is rotten to the core. But also, what's going to happen to Fannie Willis? Will she be under ethics charges? Will she be disbarred? Will she be removed from her position? Will she have to resign? Is she the new Claudine Gay, if you will? All of this now remains to be seen. But I, for one, am watching with great interest. I find this not only politically important, but also Highly entertaining. <laughs> we all know that aches and pains come with getting older, but it doesn't mean you have to accept it. That's why I want to tell you about Leah from Ohio and her relief factor story. One Sunday, Leah was sitting on her couch in so much pain, she was literally in tears. That's when she decided to try relief factor. In just eight days, she found relief and she continued to get better and better, she says, Quote, I am truly amazed at this product. We know from personal experience that it works. Debbie can now do planks and push-ups, which for many years she wasn't able to do. So if you're tired of living with aches and pains, see how Relief Factor, a daily drug-free supplement, could help you feel and live better every day. To get started... Try this. It's the Relief Factor three-week quick start kit. It's only $19.95, and it comes with a feel better or your money back guarantee. So what do you have to lose? Call 800-4-RELIEF. The number again, 800-4-RELIEF, or go to relieffactor.com. You'll feel the difference. My name is Mark Lichtenfeld, best-selling author of Get Rich with Dividends and chief income strategist at the Oxford Club, one of the world's largest and most prominent financial firms, where over 250,000 readers receive my insights each week. I believe we're entering the greatest oil bull market since the 1970s. That's why I'm so excited to share this special oil and gas investment with you today. I've discovered an unusual way to potentially bank massive income from the oil and gas surge 
100% outside the stock market. Oil and gas royalties are a backdoor way to get paid over and over again, and you can get into a top royalty stream for just $25. This is your chance to get the income you need to truly enjoy life, simply because you made the decision to give the Oxford Income Letter a risk-free try today. But this opportunity won't last forever. To learn more about Mark Lichtenfeld's unusual approach to generating monthly income from the oil markets, please visit oilpayday.com. That's oilpayday.com, paid for by the Oxford Club. Guys, I'm really delighted to welcome to the podcast my friend Jack Basobic. He's a senior editor of Human Events, uh, and he brings unfiltered and factual updates on current events and how they affect our country and the future. He's a Navy veteran. He's a practicing Catholic. You can follow him on X at Jack Basobic and uh, also podcast.apple.com. Well, uh, this is Jack's uh, podcast on Apple. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. I want to talk to you uh, a little bit uh, in depth about the Epstein, the Jeffrey Epstein files, and try to make sense of that very weird uh, story. Uh, But before we do that, uh, do you have any thoughts about Hunter Biden kind of crashing this congressional hearing? It's a hearing that is about a contempt of Congress uh, resolution against Hunter Biden. Is this a bunch of sound and fury or is it going to, what do you make of it? Well, thanks so much for having me. And and we've been covering this stuff over at Human Events as well. You know, I, I do think that a lot of this Hunter Biden stuff that you're seeing at the Hill, unfortunately, it is a lot of sound and fury and much of it. And, and, and I give the Republicans credit for actually finally doing something about Hunter Biden. I was one of the people all the way back in 2019, by the way, who was demanding that the Republicans call Hunter Biden and subpoena him back in the first impeachment of Donald Trump, because it's amazing, ladies and gentlemen, we could have had all these answers five years ago. So in my head, I'm kind of thinking this is five years after the fact that we had this information out about Burisma and other Burisma who recently, by the way, just filed as a registered as a foreign agent retroactively to cover the years. Coincidentally, that Hunter Biden was working for them and and illegally lobbying for them in Washington, D.C. under the auspices of his father being the vice president. And so I, I do think it's amazing that Republicans have have finally grown a backbone. I think it's because of people like you, uh, people like President Trump and others that have taught them how to fight. But unfortunately, because we do not have control of the Department of Justice, the Department of Justice, even if he was issued uh, a citation for contempt, that would still be referred to the Department of Justice. So even if the Republicans all came in and 100 percent of Republicans backed this and Speaker Johnson backed it, and let's just say we lived in a scenario where all that happened, it goes to contempt. Well, that's going to go to Merrick Garland's desk. And I do not believe in a world where Merrick Garland is ever going to call him up. Why? So Steve Bannon, of course, he's been sentenced to four months in jail for contempt of Congress. Peter Navarro, right after him, yourself, you yourself have faced political persecution because of this. Uh, Hunter Biden is part of what I call the three-tier justice system in America. And people have said two-tier. I say three-tier because there's three tiers. There's one tier that's, you know, sort of uh, just the regular folks, you know, you get, you're driving too fast and you get pulled over, right? That's tier one. Uh, tier two is if you are the ruling class, if your last name is Biden or Obama or Clinton, then there is a, a very, very small, very special set of rules for you. And then the third tier is if you are a deplorable, a filthy conservative, 
a Trump supporter, which, of course, the lowest of the low, uh, then they will create new laws out of whole cloth or or, uh, find creative ways to go after you in ways that have never been done before in history. And so because I put it through that three-tier hierarchy that I believe exists in this country, I don't believe that Merrick Garland would ever move against it. Jack, um, just thinking ahead, I mean, what is the if if Congress itself has such limited tools in its arsenal, they can recommend to Merrick Garland, but he kind of ignores it. Uh, and you have an executive branch run by the Democrats that is doing all this stuff. Do you think that the only remedy really is for Republicans to win the White House and do the same thing to them? I say this because it seems like Democrats do it, then Republicans come in and stop doing it so that you then have sort of neutral justice. I mean, I can't think of prominent Democrats, for example, who are, uh, who were, who Trump went after in the, the Trump term of 2016 to 2020. So it looks like the lesson that Democrats are taking from all this is that we can persecute our opponents because they would never dream of persecuting us. Well, I think it's exactly right. And honestly, I think don't don't call up Hunter Biden on contempt charges. No, what you need to be doing is impeaching members of Biden's cabinet and eventually Biden himself over this very conduct. I think you have to fight fire with fire. Republicans need to go on the offense. Contempt charges are simply not enough. They're not going to cut it. You need to go for the the head of the snake. And so Mayorkas, that's great. Obviously, this guy needs to be impeached for what he's done on our border. Uh, Lloyd Austin, I mean, the guy, we don't even know if he's conscious. We don't even know if he's fully conscious or he's he's in some kind of uh, comatose state over at Walter Reed because they're lying about where he is and what his status is. He's got prostate cancer. So we don't know what the deal is with that, even uh, even as pertains to the treatment. Uh, and then And then Joe Biden himself has lied so much to the American people. We produced the laptop. The New York Post had the laptop in 2020, October. This is almost four years ago. That's an entire roadmap to an impeachment. I don't need uh, the, the the fake um, Adam Schiff and the skiff saying, oh, I heard there's Russian collusion talk. No, I don't need to hear Adam, Adam Schiff at his word because I have the hard drive of Hunter Biden. I can see the collusion. I can see the criminality, and so can all of the American people who have looked at that hard drive. That's where the Republicans should be focused on. And look, do I think it'll pass in the Senate? No, I don't think it'll pass in the Senate, but what will it do? It will expose all of this for the American people. That's number one. And number two, it is simply when one side is fighting with fire, if you do not respond in kind, I say this as a former military officer, if you do do not respond with uh, with proportionate a proportionate response, proportionate military response, political action in this case, you will be rolled over. It's simple as that. I mean, isn't it also the case that, uh, and you also didn't mention Merrick Garland, Christopher Ray. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people here who deserve to be brought into full scrutiny. And it forces the hand of the mainstream media, doesn't it? Because as long as you're just having a hearing, they can just not cover it. And so as a result, the ordinary guy doesn't even know what's going on. But if you're if you have an impeachment proceeding against the president of the United States, pretty hard for The New York Times or CBS to go. We're not going to be covering that. That's exactly right. And and so you, you need to ratchet things up. And as we've seen, President Trump, he's impeached twice. Uh, and there's like uh, they're they're singing songs about it on the radio. There's a, a new Fallout Boy song where they're singing about President Trump was impeached twice. And that's their entire summary of his uh, of his presidency. No, what you need to be doing is he's impe- you impeach us. We're going to impeach you back. 
you come after and and Trump's children were coming were going after all throughout his presidency. They were brought up on charges. You have to bring up Hunter Biden on charges. It's as simple as that. If you want to return to normalcy, and I think we all would, we'd we'd, we'd love to get back to that place. You cannot play by the old rules. You must play by the new rules. And guess what, boys and girls? We were, you know, our side wasn't the one that started this. Our side was not the one that started locking up political opponents. That was Barack Obama. And you know more than anyone else that he was the one who started this all the way back then. And now Biden has ratcheted it up. It's as simple as that. We must continue to fight fire with fire until we get to the point where we actually achieve what? Mutually assured destruction. That is the only way to bring. I I believe that's the only way to bring any of this to an end. Jack, you've been covering recently a set of stories that suggest that this sort of police state operation is going global, by which I mean that there appears to be not just an American left or even an American and a Canadian left, but a global left that is practicing the politics of political persecution. Talk about what's happening recently in Poland. Right. So Poland, this is a huge breaking story. It's still continuing as we stand today. There's a mass protest planned for tomorrow outside the presidential palace of Warsaw, where a new globalist prime minister has taken power in Poland just about three weeks ago. Uh, He didn't actually win the election. He actually lost the election last year, but he was able to cobble together a coalition of like-minded parties to take control of the parliament. Now, Poland has a nationalist president. What's he done? He's now started to call for the arrest of Polish MPs, sitting members of parliament. They have been arrested now where they tried to they actually and and the the optics of this are just stunning. They actually went to the presidential palace of Warsaw to ask for sanctuary to say we'd like to have this go through the courts. You've got competing court rulings, et cetera. The new prime minister, these are conservative MPs. The new prime minister said no. They must be arrested. Polish police stormed the presidential palace of Warsaw last night, arrested two sitting members of parliament and hauled them off to jail. And you've got other members of this globalist party saying that they should be stripped of their seats because now they are convicted felons, et cetera, et cetera. And so they shouldn't even be allowed to be sitting in the parliament. Look, this guy, Donald Tusk, who's taking control of the parliament there in Poland, He was the former president of the EU. This was Angela Merkel's deputy, the chief globalist in charge for almost a decade, over a decade in Germany, Uh, really the power behind the throne at the EU. So uh, for the globalists to have their hooks in one of the last bastions of conservatism, of culture, of Western civilization in Europe just goes to show you that they're running the same playbook in Poland. They're doing it here in the United States. They want to do it to Hungary next and any other place they can because they can't allow any country outside of their system. And keep in mind, we're just two weeks away, really, and actually one week away, I should say, from the start of what the next World Economic Forum begins in Davos in just about five days time. So uh, all of this will come to a head. They're trying to clean up the mat before any of this summit begins. They're all going to be flying to Davos. They call it the Legion of Globalists, their headquarters. Uh, they tried to have me arrested at the one last year where they uh, put MP5s and, and detained me and my entire crew members uh, while we were filming a documentary on them. We're just standing in front of a camera dressed as a, you know, as a reporter standing out there on the side of a mountaintop. And uh, it, it's quite simple, Dinesh, because we're fighting the same forces here in the United States 
that the people of Poland are facing, that anyone's facing. Because if they find a people or a place that exists outside of their program, outside of their agenda, where people still believe in God, where people are still practicing Christianity publicly as the public ideology. I don't mean just practicing it privately in your home or in your church. I mean publicly with marches and prayers, putting it into their laws. Uh, if, if people are still holding true to this, as opposed to the vast global progressive uh, hodgepodge milieu that we're supposed to be pushed into, and of course, fighting back against mass immigration that Poland has done, then they will do anything they can to break you. When we come back, Jack, I'd like to talk about the Epstein files. As we head into a presidential election year, one thing you can be sure of, 2024 will be tumultuous. Now, how will your hard-earned earnings fare? You already see the impact of inflation at the pump, the grocery store, the dollar continues to lose buying power quicker than wages can increase. So how are you protecting your savings? Well, consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. Now you can own gold in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just text to Nesh to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit on gold. They'll also help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, including me and Debbie, you can trust Birch Gold. Text to Nesh to 989898 for your free information kit. There's only information, no obligation. Again, text to Nesh to 989898 now. With each year that passes, the term health goals takes on more and more importance for Debbie and me. In our younger days, feeling great, feeling healthy was just something we took for granted. But now, it's become an active goal in our life. That means we do specific things to help us get there. And one of those things we do every day is we take balance of nature's fruits and veggies right here in a capsule. So easy to take. Now, why did we choose Balance of Nature? Well, there's a bunch of reasons, but probably one of the most important is that they are always made from whole food ingredients. Have you started getting more serious about your health goals like we have? I strongly urge you to check out Balance of Nature. Whether you order online or call them direct, you got to use the promo code AMERICA to get the special offer of 35% off. So go ahead and call 800-246-8751, the number again, 800-246-8751, or go to balanceofnature.com, use discount code AMERICA, and you'll get 35% off. I'm back with Jack Posobiec, Senior Editor of Human Events. You can follow him on x at Jack Posobiec. Jack, let's talk about this Jeffrey Epstein story. There appears to be every day or every few days some new tidbits that come out uh, suggesting either parts of depositions or names of people who are somehow involved in this scandal. And, uh, And I want to get to some of the details of it, but can you help me make sense of the meta story, the big story here, because... I don't really get it. What what is the big story? Is it that is it that Epstein was on his own running an international blackmail operation involving the recruitment of these young girls and and fielding an influential sort of coterie of pedophiles who would take advantage of these girls? 
The reason I don't that doesn't make sense to me is why would Epstein do it? What's the purpose of it? I mean, I kind of understand, for example, a few decades ago when, you know, the head of the FBI, uh, Hoover, had a blackmail list. And it's partly because he wanted to maintain his position of power. He wanted to make sure nobody could fire him. Uh, but what, why would Epstein even do this? What is the what do you think is the, is going on here? Well, Dinesh, what we're seeing with Jeffrey Epstein, this operation, and people can talk about the fact that it was an underage sex ring uh, that did obviously operate with some of the most powerful, influential, and wealthy people within not just American, but we're really Western jurisprudence. You know, we talked about, um, you know, I, I mentioned the globalist and the globalist ruling elites. Uh, in the past, in the last segment, I talked about Davos. And I talked about the World Economic Forum, but you know, here we see so many of those same names. You know, not very long ago, all associated with Jeffrey Epstein, associated with his activities, and specifically associated with rides to this uh, Little Saint James secret island, Epstein Island, down in the Caribbean. And of course, for years, people denied these connections. They said it's not true. They said it never happened. Uh, we know that Epstein, of course, was a socialite in both New York and Palm Beach areas, uh, attending various clubs, attending to various functions, trying to get close with other individuals. But one of the big pieces for me, and I say this as a, a former intelligence officer, is that, you know, when I'm looking at the story, it's as you say, the story doesn't add up. Why would he have done all of this? Why would he have committed so many crimes? And then most importantly, if he was doing all of this, why not prosecute him years ago the minute you found out about any of this? And we've gone through and and reported on the fact that he was under investigation all the way back during the Bush administration for these crimes. And the head of the FBI oversaw this. His name was Robert Mueller, who uh, oversaw an almost year long investigation into this. And the Southern District of Florida, one of the uh, one of the individuals who was involved in in the prosecution there was Alexander Acosta, who later became Trump's secretary of labor. That comes up later in the story. So Acosta, during his Senate confirmation hearings, he gets asked about Epstein and he says, wait a minute. So Epstein takes a charge all the way back in 2008 uh, in terms of this ring, but it, it's not on pedophilia. It's not on child sex crimes. It's it's basically solicitation of prostitution as if he had you know, driven his car up to a you know a, a call girl, a lady of the night, and and asked her to get in, and they spent the night together. And this is the most misdemeanor, uh, lowest possible charge you could get for any of this stuff, and and it doesn't even come up on the federal level. It's actually done on the state level. He's given a sweetheart deal where he has to spend his nights in the Palm Beach County Jail, but he's actually given a day pass where he's allowed to leave jail. For the purposes of "quote unquote" work during the day, I mean it's 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 amazing. I mean we we'd all love uh, we'd all love that kind of prosecution if we were you know running one of those types of operations. And so they asked Acosta this later on in 2019. They said, "Why was it that you guys didn't file charges against Epstein?" And here's the real bombshell: what Acosta responded in the Senate committee was, "I was told that he was an intelligence asset." And then Acosta went on to become the Secretary of Labor. But this is the big question. What do you mean this guy was an intelligence asset? Well, when we look at the operation that he was running, it bears all the hallmarks of what we would call a brownstoning operation. A brownstoning operation is when, uh, and it started in the NYPD, it gets its name from those those walk-ups, those grand um, townhouse-style mansions that you would see in New York City, one of which, by the way, was owned by Jeffrey Epstein. 
these brownstones because of the uh, this, the sandstone that's used to uh, that's used to make them. Uh, what you do is you you entice someone into coming into your your party, coming into your club, coming into your event, and then you further and further entrap them through illegal activity. Uh, this in course of this being underage girls. And then through the course of it, you produce blackmail on these individuals. But here's the difference. You're not doing it for money necessarily, though, of course, money was certainly an aspect of this because nobody can really seem to find what were the projects or the the deals that Epstein was was financing. You can go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia doesn't call him a pedophile. They call him a financier. What did he finance? What was his role? Uh, Wikipedia won't tell you that, which goes to tell you something about who's in control of Wikipedia. Um, but Jeffrey Epstein then is able to use these tapes. He's able to use these CDs and DVDs and videos of all the videotapes that he had of the clients and use that for influence over them. The question then becomes, who was wielding this influence? Well, we know that Jeffrey Epstein, through his recruiter, um, Ghislaine Maxwell, her father had ties to Israeli intelligence. We know that Epstein had ties to the CIA. We know that uh, he had direct ties to Harvard. We know he had ties to MI6 as well through Ghislaine Maxwell's father, Robert Maxwell, uh, who was a tabloid um, mogul in the in the United Kingdom for many, many years. Uh, also died under mysterious circumstances, by the way. We're told that he uh, that he fell off of a boat while, while boating one night. And so it really end, uh, opens up some very murky questions, as well as the fact that when Epstein died, his mansion, that brownstone mansion that I talked about, in New York City was raided by the FBI and a an entire case of CDs and tapes with which had names on them disappeared. Uh, his lawyers were never able to return it back. The FBI claims they don't know what happened to it. It is it is completely gone. And so when we talk about this list and there's you know, there's another angle of of sort of the uh, the political aspect of the list where. Uh, yes, Bill Clinton is on it. Yes, um, Bob Menendez has direct ties to it. Uh, there's also a name on, on the flight logs that says Chuck Schum. Uh, so Chuck Schumer without the R. So it's interesting. I wonder if Chuck Schumer knows who Chuck Schum might be. It's an interesting question, seeing if they're flying out of Teterboro, uh, which is the New York airport. But uh, there's also the question of Donald Trump and his political, you know, uh, obviously he's running for president this year. And the question is, was Trump involved in any of this? And they say, does his name come up? Yes, his name comes up. Well, what's amazing is that every time his name comes up, it's actually um, it's actually to exonerate him. It's actually exculpatory evidence. They'll say, oh, was Trump there? He said, yes, he was there. Oh, so did he have dinner? Yeah, he had the dinner. So he sat with Epstein. Well, no, he didn't sit with Epstein. Who did he sit with? Well, he was having dinner with us, with the staff in the kitchen. Uh, and you find these these comments from from Trump. OK, well, you know, did he meet with the girls? No, he didn't meet with the girls. Um, did he get a massage? No, we didn't get a massage. What what did he do when he found out that Epstein was involved in this stuff? He had him kicked out of Mar-a-Lago. And then he went to the authorities and he said, how can I help put this guy away? Uh, and then there's some other salacious stories that are always, you know, it's always hearsay or the witness later recants and said, yeah, I made that up. I just wanted to get some some notoriety for myself. Uh, and so there is this huge political aspect going on right now. And I've seen places like uh, Drudge Report, which I think has fallen off in recent years, uh, the New York Post, um, additionally, the Daily Mail running with these salacious claims. And then, you know, way down at the bottom of the aisle, they'll say the witness later recanted uh, or they, they later claimed they made the story up, these types of things. And so you are seeing a lot of that being thrown into the information environment right now. And that is because, of course, we are in a 
political environment and a political election year. Now, what's the reason for this? Of course, it's simple. They're going to say, well, oh, fine, you've got Bill Clinton dead to rights. You've got the Clinton Foundation dead to rights. That means everyone who voted for Hillary Clinton voted to put an Epstein asset back into the White House. I think everyone needs to understand this. But what they'll say is, all right, if we can, if he's out there getting smeared, we're going to smear Trump too. And that's why you're seeing these assets go out there to say, all right, well, we can at least make it neutral by saying it's it you know, no positive for you because we're going to do everything we can to smear Trump. And unfortunately, that's the way propaganda works. So people who are just sort of, um, you know, glancing at the media, glancing at little notifications that come across their screen or uh, go to sign into their Yahoo Mail accounts and see a couple of the headlines scroll by, they'll see Trump named in Epstein documents and they're not going to click and scroll all the way down to the bottom. No, they're going to glance at the headline. They're going to glance at a picture of Trump and Epstein together at some you know function they were at before they knew anything about what was going on. And they're going to say, oh, Trump is tied to Epstein too. And they're going to leave it at that. So you're seeing a full on propaganda war on top of the actual facts that we are getting out in these documents. I mean, I found it striking, Jack, that in so many of the articles about Epstein, regardless of what the revelation is, they always use the photo with Trump. Uh, in other words, that's the image they seem yes. to be trying to sear into people's minds. And the other thing is, with regard to this intelligence connection that you mentioned, I mean, one thing we do know is that the police agencies of the government know a whole lot more about this story than we do. Right. In other words, little pieces of information are trickling out, but they have the tapes. They're the ones who ran the investigations. They have the scoop on Epstein. And the fact that they're not telling us tells us a lot. Oh, yes. I mean, I suppose I, that goes without saying. I didn't even I didn't even mention it because you know I, I take it almost as a given now that our government is lying to us. Of course, they know Robert Mueller all the way back in 2005 knew what was going on with Epstein. Uh, Alex Acosta, if he was able to dug through, dig through the records, he would have known what was going on if he actually pressed up any of the agents who were involved in this. And I've spoken to agents and, and NYP officers who were um, uh, NYPD officers who were involved in some of this stuff. They spoke to the girls. They knew what was happening from day one. But the fact of the matter is that our government allowed this to continue. And then, oh, by the way, even after that sweetheart deal that he got or his his quote unquote sentencing down in Palm Beach, he emerges from jail and is somehow able to hold meetings with people like Bill Gates, Steven Pinker, the heads of Harvard, all of these other individuals. He's raising money. Uh, various organizations are out there taking donations from uh, Epstein front organizations that are founded all in the name of Ghislaine Maxwell, talking about uh, our open societies and our free futures and a lot of a lot of eugenic style experimentation, by the way, it gets it gets really, really deep down some of these rabbit holes that you want to go down. This ranch that he had out in Santa Fe, where he's constantly talking about eugenic style programs. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what exactly he was searching for, but I can tell you that through these hours of depositions, through these hours of investigations, there are people in our government who know the full truth and they have not come forward. I mean, what a story, Jack. It's not just the Epstein cesspool. It's not just the cultural cesspool of all the pedophiles who are patronizing Epstein. But then it's the government cesspool of people in high places who knew about this. And for whatever reason, whether Epstein was one of their assets, for whatever reason, they've chosen to conceal this from the from the American public. Jack Pasovic, thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. 
God bless me. By the way, congrats to Danielle and congrats to you on being a grandpa. We're enjoying it. Thank you. My friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. Now, he didn't just stop by creating the best pillow. He also created the Giza Dream bed sheets. I love them. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but also extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. They also come in a variety of sizes and colors. And Mike's latest deal, a really good one for a limited time, you get 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets. You can get a set for as low as $29.98. Go to MyPillow.com there you'll find not just this great offer but deep discounts on all the MyPillow products, the MyPillow mattress topper, the robes, the kitchen towel sets, the flannel sheets and so much more. Call 800-876-0227 the number 800-876-0227 or go to MyPillow.com make sure to use the promo code it's D-I-N-E-S-H Dinesh. I've been talking about C.S. Lewis's classic work The Four Loves And we are in the uh, chapter that deals with the first of them, which is uh, affection or storgy, the love of those who just happen to be around you. Obviously, most obviously, it's family, uh, but then it's also domestic animals and it is neighbors and it's people that you bump into regularly on the street uh, and you develop a certain kind of relationship with them, which... um, is glorious in a sense, C.S. Lewis uh, says, because you learn to appreciate the qualities that you normally would not choose. These are people that you would not normally fall in love with. They might not be people that you would choose as friends. Uh, And yet, over time, you develop a kind of um, uh, understanding of what makes them tick, and your world is larger and better for it. And of course, since Storgi is rooted in the domestic affections, which is the affection of parents for children and vice versa, and uh, it develops a certain romantic quality. Now, I'm using the word romantic here in the sense of the romantic movement of the 19th century, which celebrated the domestic affections. In other words, the romantics said, you know, when you go out into the work, workplace, it's hard, it's unforgiving, you're just an automaton, you're a guy on an assembly line, nobody cares about you. But when you come home, you are in a different environment. You are now, there's a fireplace and there's food on the table and you have, uh, you're surrounded by your wife and your children uh, or your extended family, your neighbors perhaps, it's a family celebration And all of this was kind of glorified as if it is the best that life has to offer. And here is where C.S. Lewis kind of gets off the bus. And I say gets off the bus because he says, look, all of this kind of um, now somewhat antique, but nevertheless, uh, for many, many decades, this kind of sentimental celebration of um, a family, of domestic affections, of storgi. Lewis goes conceals the fact that Storgi is also a a problematic place. And he says, think, for example, about the terrible feuds that develop within a family. Think about two brothers fighting for decades over the family inheritance, 
or think about the way in which sometimes people develop long-term grudges and antagonisms that even if they're concealed are nevertheless very much present. Think, for example, about a kind of long-suffering wife who has to endure the in-laws that she's living with and they hate the fact that she's there and she hates the fact that it's their house and they're kind of tyrannizing over her. And so this is a, this is not a, um, not a, um, Garden of Eden by any means. In fact, every day you feel the burden of the harsh tongue, the insult, the insults, the sometimes very, um, rancorous looks. So Lewis kind of gets into all this and he gets into all this with examples from ordinary life, but he also gets into it with examples from, uh, from literature. He says, for example, He's talking about a book called The Way of All Flesh by Butler. Uh, Mr. Pontifex is outraged because his son doesn't love him. And uh, Lewis goes, well, it's, of course, natural for a son to love um, his father. It's also natural for the son to have a sense of duty and obligation to his father. But he says that for Mr. Pontifex, this is a kind of entitlement. He says that, um, he says it's unnatural. I have a right that my son should love me. And the fact that my son doesn't love me makes me very angry because I'm being denied my rights. And Lewis goes on to say that this is a very difficult man. He actually makes life difficult for his son. Uh, he'd never ask the question, what am I doing to deserve my son's affection? See, the point here is that Storgi, because of its nature, is not earned, right? You don't sort of earn a status by being a member of a family. You're just a member of your family. And so what happens with that is you take for granted a bunch of things, like my children should love me, my parents should love me, they should take care of me, they owe me duties. And so what sometimes happens is out of that comes a sense of, of pride, a sense of bitterness, a sense of long-lasting resentments, resentments that are kind of activated every day because you're, after all, seeing the same people every day. And, uh, and Lewis goes that just like, for, just like Storgi itself, the affection, which never has a, an obvious starting point. You have a neighbor, you've known him for years, and if somebody were to ask you, well, when did your affection for him like develop? You're like, well, I don't really know that by the time I was aware that I liked him, it had been going on for some time. And and Lewis goes, that's exactly how it is with the bad stuff also. So, for example, if you start learning to, like, hate your mother-in-law, somebody asks you, when did you start hating her? It's not like it was something she said. It's a lot of things that she said. And you don't really know when it started. You just know that it's been going on for a while and now you're aware of it. And so this is how Storgi is. It creeps up on you on the good side, but it also creeps up on you on, on the bad side. And, um, and it is, it sometimes extracts from people sacrifices that are excessive. Um, a, an aged mother, for example, who demands of her grown children that they attend to her every need, that they be around her all the time, that they show up for her birthdays, and so on. And meanwhile, what's happening to their lives? Their lives are not being lived. Their lives are sometimes in shambles, uh, dealing with her health problems and so on. And so Lewis gives example after example of how Storgi is not quite the wonderful thing it's presented to be. And he says, 
Um, storgi sometimes involves acceptance. That's the nature of storgi. You accept uh, your family, you accept your neighbors. But he goes, but if someone kind of departs from the circle in any way, let's say, for example, you are a, uh, you are a couple that's an atheist, who, that are atheists, and your son becomes a Christian. Suddenly it's like, wait, what? How dare he do that? Uh, and Lewis is fair-minded enough to admit that this can be the opposite. You could have a family of church-going Christians and someone becomes an atheist and suddenly he's out or he's gay. He's out. He's no longer a member of the family. And so the, the level of, of uh, bitterness is in direct proportion. So the guy was accepted before. But now that he's departed from the fold or sort of betrayed the code in some way, he is rejected with the same vehemence that he was once accepted. And this, this takes Lewis right to his conclusion. And it's a conclusion that he will make not just with regard to Storgi, but with all the loves, or at least the first three of the four. And I'm just going to read it to you. He says, he says that love is kind of intermixed. The possibilities of love are intermixed with the possibilities of hate. And he says... Uh, and he says that it's not just Storgi. The same is true with friendship. The same is true with romantic love. There, These things begin, and there's a sort of a magical aspect to them, a kind of wonder to them. But if they turn, they become mean and vengeful and unforgiving. And so what he says is that these are loves that carry within them the seeds of hatred. And it's very important to be aware of this, because he says affection is made... Affection that is made the absolute sovereign of a human life will give rise to the seeds of hatred. Love, he says, having become a god, becomes a demon. Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com